0: Love to secret shop every partner, but no, we end up doing a sampling. You know, companies like Microsoft do a certain number every year, or Motorola Solutions do a certain number every year. Others, you know, typically they're doing in a country 30 at a time or 50 at a time, that type of thing. And of course, then we get to do a maturity map, where in a roll-up report you can then say these are the partners with high potential, so you should invest there because with just a little bit of help on their sales process or on their messaging or on fixing the PBX so they answer the phone, they're going to get more business.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Leanne Hobson. Leanne is the founder and CEO of Alinea Partners, consulting firm that helps large IT companies assess and transform the buying experiences of their customers. And in our conversation, we talk about the buying experience from the perspective of the customer. Leanne shares research from her team that found that while 80% of CEOs believe they deliver superior buying experiences, only 8% of their customers agree. So we talk about why there's such a gap in the perception of the buyers versus the selling organization. We dig into why sales leaders seem to be so out of touch with the reality of how their buyers experience their selling. Then we dive into how Alinea surfaces its buying journey insights for its clients and talk about some of the 160 different elements they assess along the buying journey. So we get into all of this and much, much more, but before we get to Leanne, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it and if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could leave us a review and give us your feedback about how we're doing. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Leanne, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
1: Yeah, well, you I think you're our first. I think you may be our first guest from Vienna on the show.
0: Wow, what a novelty. Have you yeah. ever been there? Have you come here?
1: I haven't been to Vienna. I think as I must talked to the last told you the last time we talked, I've I've like Took taking one step over the border into Austria on a bike trip, whereas you know at the top of a pass between Italy and Austria, and we got to the, there was snow, so we couldn't get any further. But we walked a little bit. And
0: Fantastic! So you you have a, a bit of a footprint here, so you have yeah, to come back.
1: Literally a footprint. Yes, I definitely want to come back. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you joining us. So, so tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about Alania Partners and what you do because it's it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, well, let's see. I started the company in 2005, so I basically do everything. Mm. Um, <laughs> Chief Cook and Bottle, bottle um, Yeah, we are a high tech focused sales enablement and channel development agency. Okay. And uh, we do a number of different things, but uh, the one program we're best known for is we are the only company who does B2B secret shopping. Interesting. So we buy software, hardware and services from IT vendors mm-hmm. and their reselling channels.
1: Got it. I like it. So, <laughs> I mean I think that I think you know part of the reason why I first heard about you, I forgot how we got in, put in contact, but was just this, this is like for me it's it's like this missing element of oh, so much in sales, is, is like you talk to sales leaders and it's, you know, what are your training plans this year? Well, you know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z and so on. I said, oh, so where'd you, you know, come up with the data to do that? Well, you know, we looked at our CRM system and our sales results. Said, great. Did you ever talk to your buyers? You know, what, what they need mm-hmm. from your sellers to be able to get their jobs done?
0: Yeah, and it's and what... just this
1: vacant stare, like, what? <laughs> talk to our buyers? What are you talking about?
0: you get that or you get well I do NPS or I do part oh, customer yeah. surveys um Great. you know and what our belief is that the buying experience is something that happens from the outside in and mm-hmm. a lot of high-tech companies are so busy with day-to-day selling and trying to stay on the trends and trying to figure out what The next move is Mm -hmm. they're not they're they're planning, they're working, they're developing service level agreements. They're developing quality level agreements that they want to have with their customers. Um, A lot of them are doing NPS or they're doing um, customer journey mapping. All good stuff. Yeah. But what we then say is we believe this is the desired state. Mm-hmm. Of the quality that you would like to offer your customers. And by the way, your prospects as well, even though LinkedIn doesn't talk about prospects, we only talk about customers, which is another pet peeve of mine. <laughs> right. um, I, so, I talk about
1: prospects almost exclusively. Yeah. Exactly. I call buyers, but yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. So that's the desired state, and that's the inside out view. What we yeah. do is we offer the outside in view or the status quo. Mm-hmm. So, you then get a picture through our, we have a a scientific methodology that we use consistently, and you get this view of, this is the entire journey, and in that journey, this is where you're doing really well. And because we've shopped over 650 different companies globally, we can say, you're outperforming the competition Mm -hmm. with this behavior, or... Mm -hmm you know, with this on your website or with this in your proposal. And you're at the market level on these issues and your experience is lacking in these areas. And this is where you're losing business. You're losing revenue.
1: Right. Well, and you have an interesting statement in one of your blog posts. You said, yeah, 80% of CEOs believe they deliver superior customer experiences. While well, only eight percent well, of the customers agree, so customer experience is there. Is that the full gamut, both pre-sale, post-sale, or is that just pre-sale?
0: From what we look at, yeah. No, we do the whole thing. That's why we're the only ones that do it to this extent. You, you get a lot oh. of companies that go out and look at websites, but um, what we do is really looking at look at the buying process. So um, I'll take you through the a, a journey. Sure, that'd be great. Linearly. Uh, instead of how it actually happens because we know we don't buy this way. But, um, the first step is we create a persona with a senior person within the company, usually the CEO or the sales director or a business mm-hmm. manager, mm-hmm. or, uh, quite often we do this with a channel director. So somebody who mm-hmm. has a reselling channel and they right. put this into their program. So this is an ideal prospect that you would want to have, you know, um, 20 person company doing uh, marketing or finance or whatever it happens to be with these types of problems. We get Mm -hmm. rather specific on it. We then train our buyers and we do all of this in local language. So we have a a group of different buyers that can do this. And the first thing they set out to do is see if without knowing the name of the company, because we're not a customer or a Mm -hmm. prospect, can we find you? Okay, so okay. this is going to be in your full digital footprint. You know, can we find you using Google? Mm-hmm. Everyone does that. Right. Um, are you on page one, two, or three? Right. Do, can we um, find you in, in social? And in social, are you, you know, selling in social, or are you just doing social media and just posting things? Mm-hmm. Do you have a consistent presence? Do you have the best presence forward uh, for your company in um, what you have in social?
1: And so just pausing for a second. So when you're doing that evaluation of social profile of of a selling organization, how are you looking at that? If just do you have, you know, names of key individuals you're looking for? Sales leaders, looking for, you know, actual sellers themselves in terms of, you know, consistency of posting, type of content and so on?
0: Yes, we do a subset of the organization, obviously not everyone. Sure. Um but mostly focusing on the top sales team members. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, although we do block that out when we report because we do not name and shame in our reports. It's all learning.
1: <laughs> all
0: right. No <laughs> um, judgment. No, uh, just information. Right. Then we move to the website and we're looking at whether or not what is on the website, is is it bringing us into the sales process? Is it part of the sales team or is it just brochure where? Mm-hmm. Um, are the messages relevant for the type of Prospect that you told me you want to have more of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, we get on, onto websites, and, and the first thing you see is two big blocks that say SMB and <laughs> Enterprise. Right, and right. I'm like, what am I doing with this? Right. Um, things like that. And so, we also check for um, how the website functions because. Many other companies do that, so we do that along the way. Mm-hmm. We then look at the offer construct. And this is really important because a lot of companies in high tech sell products like SKUs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just take it from their IT vendor and they slap it on their website and they train their right. sales team and they sell it. Right. And so it's not being put into any context for a business person. Right. You know, right. No business outcome. And very few are really looking at how do I bundle and how do I bring in my own services so I have my own IP and I have an upsell mm-hmm. path. So I'm mm-hmm. different than the competition. Okay. Um, we then go into the category that we call sales engagement. So I found you. You're relevant. Now I want to put you on my shortlist and have a conversation with you. So we go to all of the different uh, communications possibilities. And in my experience, that's going to be uh, email, right? web <clears throat> forms, whether mm-hmm. they function or not. Um, right. In Latin America, they still use fax. We don't check fax, but they do still use it.
1: Okay. All right.
0: At least it's on a lot of websites. Um, chat. Right. How that's functioning. And then sales engagement. So we actually get on the phone with the sales team and uh, or sales reps, right. and this is either going to be a single call if it's something like a um, we're buying a mobile phone or a mobile phone subscription. Mm-hmm. A lot of the telcos have worked with us. But very or, transactional. Yes, or yeah. Microsoft three sixty five. Right. SAP. Um, or if it's something that's more complex, such as uh, printers with uh, workflow software or Azure Mm -hmm. uh, or other more complex solutions, we usually end up talking first to pre-sales and then we end up getting into the uh, technical architecture team Mm -hmm. we have people that can have those conversations. Um, We go through that process and we either... Purchase in their marketplace if they happen to have one. right? Or we go to proposal and request a proposal. Now, two-thirds of the time of that 650 plus opportunities, two-thirds of the time when we expect to get a proposal, we don't.
1: (laughs) What? Two-thirds of the times you actually don't get the proposal?
0: Yeah, so look at an average deal size of 10K just to be nice.
1: All right. Let's and
0: think about how much money is being left at you know, going to the competition.
1: So what are you finding out? The reason why are they disqualifying you? They decide, hey, you're not a prospect, or that's happened twice. Oh, that's okay. So the answer is no. They haven't disqualified you.
0: And it's always in the UK. And they always say that after they come back and we tell them that they didn't do something right. Sorry. <laughs> but yes, twice we've been told that. Um, But that's usually because the people that we do the persona with do that work well. You know, they're really prospects that they want to have, but um, it can be any number of things. Yes, it can be the sales rep and you and your book, you know, you go into a lot of detail around that and and, um, can talk quite extensively Mm -hmm. to the issues there, but it can also quite often be a, process issue many of these companies are not using project management software or they're not using a proposal tool or they have people who don't know what they need to put in the proposal to get it out the door and so they delay the decision you know human behavior right or somebody goes on vacation and forgets to tell someone and they don't have a project management system so it doesn't tee it up or they don't have a CRM system, which system, is
1: even right. Numbers. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say there's so many tools for sellers. I mean, but what's what's mind-boggling about that that stat is, I mean, if I'm a sales rep and I've got an opportunity and they're asking for proposal and they are otherwise qualified, I'm just trying to think of reasons why I wouldn't I wouldn't get the proposal out the door because, you know, it's like they say in basketball, you, know, you miss every shot you don't take. I mean, you're going to lose every deal you don't give a proposal on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, in many of these companies, the process isn't easy enough to ensure that they get 100% hit rate.
1: Just giving proposals out. Holy cow. Okay. Wow. My eyes opened up today. Wow. Okay.
0: Then um, we either go into the marketplace, as I said, and purchase and look at the purchasing process and then the onboarding process, which onboarding processes are dismal in the SaaS world. Um, you know, you work with some companies. Uh, let me call out telcos now. Um, mm-hmm. You get three or four different onboarding emails because they've got a marketplace, plus they have the core company, mm-hmm. and both are communicating with you. Mm-hmm. Um, as an they example,
1: yeah, they don't, uh, they don't, <laughs> they don't uh, make sure they're not duplicating it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um Or we go to we get the proposal and then we evaluate what's in the proposal. So that whole conversation we just had about what the offer looks like and whether it's, you know, bundling and upsell, we look at whether they've maximized the white spaces and the upsell opportunity that they could have and whether there are some really core components in the proposal to make it readable, easily readable
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, and understandable. You know, what are the terms and conditions and how do I buy? right um, we evaluated a, a number of proposals a couple of weeks ago and we didn't understand them And you know we have technical background mm-hmm. but the you know decision was to understand this we would need Google, Google help you know to search mm-hmm. different things and we would mm-hmm. have to call on various people within the organization with different skill sets in order to understand the proposal. So what <laughs> I'm that taking, does taking,
1: taking deep, heavy breaths right I Hear this because it's like
0: there are lots of good yeah, things that yeah, happen yeah. as well. You know, yeah. you. <laughs> but what that does is it either ensures that the sale doesn't happen because they just yeah. you know floor you know put put the proposal somewhere else until I have yeah, time to focus on it.
1: Well, they stick with the status quo.
0: I mean, the status quo. Yeah,
1: I've, or, I've seen, I was going to say, I've seen studies in the last couple of years, different studies saying that I'm interested in your, what you're seeing is that anywhere from these two different studies, one was 50, one was 80% of opportunities in the pipeline, qualified opportunities in the pipeline, end up in no decision.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think it's because we're still selling too technically to, um, from, from what we've seen in these proposals. Um, mm-hmm. They're You know, if you're selling to an IT department, that's one thing. But a lot of companies are really trying to break out and also sell to non-IT departments and to the CEO. People always say, I'm selling C-level. Well, then you have to speak C-level.
1: Yeah, well, there's multiple stakeholders in every decision, and they all have different backgrounds. So, yes, you have to be able to speak to all of them.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think that there's still a gap there. And it really comes through in proposals especially if a company is used to selling um, to a set client base, mm-hmm. and now they're really trying to scale with SaaS, so they're going after right. the s market, the proposal or, has to be adjusted yeah. to be appropriate for that market.
1: Yeah, I mean, oftentimes you see the trajectory in SaaS, they start S&B, then go mid-market, then go enterprise. Yeah, and yeah, it's a big, a big transition.
0: Yeah. So then we also look at customer service um, mm-hmm. and see what kind of assets they have and what kind of knowledge base and you know if they're using the latest um, tips and tricks and, and type, uh, types of uh, community-based learning that we're seeing in some of the better practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're done. We put together a report, 60 pages or so, and we deliver it. And basically say the this is where you have hidden value proposition that you're not highlighting. You need to mm-hmm. shine a light on it. This part of your experience is really, really good and you should double down on it and do more of it because you're gonna close business faster mm-hmm. or more profitably. And mm-hmm. then these are the areas that you know you might wanna consider changing because it's it's not fitting or it's certainly you're causing you to lose business.
1: So when your clients come to you, what's what are they saying to you is the challenge, right? What's what's triggered their interest in saying, yeah, here's this missing piece of data, this whole, let's look at it from the buyer perspective. What's motivating them to suddenly say, yeah, we need to be really evaluating this. What's, what's happened in their business typically?
0: Um, there are a number of things. Either, I would say early adopter behavior is they're obsessed about customer experience and they get it. Okay. okay. So they just want to be top of their game continuously. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that do repeat performances, you know, right? every six months or once a year, at least like going to the dentist to have mm-hmm. your teeth cleaned. Yep. Check them. Um, then you've got, you have um, new CEOs, sales directors, business unit directors, or really smart channel directors mm-hmm. who come into a new position at a company Right. And they want a ninety-day plan, so they want to know what are the areas that are where I'm leaking
1: mm-hmm. revenue. Mm-hmm.
0: What should I fix first? Okay. So that they can then work through that plan, fix it, and then say, "Look, this is what we've just accomplished in the last hundred days." Right. And you know, here are the results. We did a revenue and a profitability timestamp, and now you know we're seeing we've got an uplift. Mm-hmm. um we also have a number of companies that say we get that we need to be selling differently we also you know want to go after non-it you know mm-hmm. in addition to it. right right and so we need to do a status quo check of what we need to work on to improve and then we get those who are in market for a certain amount of time with an offer. And they're not making their targets. Right. So either the CEO or sales rep or sales VP themselves wants to know why, and they've explored everything internally. Um, Or, you know, they're getting pressure from their their IT vendor that they're not making their targets. And so they want to understand, is it the offer itself or is it something within the process of how we're going Mm -hmm. to market? Um, and then, of course, merger and acquisition. If you want to know, you know, between two or three sure. companies,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: where do I have best practice, and what mm-hmm. should I not change, mm-hmm. and do mentoring around, and you know, that, and what can I get rid of, which always happens.
1: Right. So when you when you work with companies that have you know work extensively through th- sales channels, indirect sales channels. Do you secret shop each channel partner, or you just do a a, a sampling?
0: I would love to secret shop every every <laughs> partner, uh, but no, we end up doing a sampling. Um, okay. You know, companies like Microsoft do a certain number every year, or right. Motorola Solutions do a certain number every year, um, and and others. Uh, you know, typically um, they're doing in a country. You know. 30 at a time or you know, mm-hmm. 50 at a time, that type of thing. And, of course, then we get to do a maturity map right. where, in a roll-up report, you can then say, these are the partners with high potential, so you should invest there. Mm-hmm. You know, because with just a little bit of help on you know, their sales process or on their messaging or on fixing the PBX so they answer the phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're gonna get more business. Um well, and, yeah. it, that
1: triggers the question because so along the lines of something I was asking before. But I mean, you talk about okay, two thirds of cases you know, actually I don't getting a proposal. <sighs> yeah, there's data, some of it's kind of old and hasn't really been updated, but that you know, a lion's share of inbound leads, for instance, never get followed up. And yeah, I was just wondering, sir, what you're what you're seeing in that regard at the top of the funnel in terms of follow-up and leaks as you were you're talking about. Has that gotten any better in the in the work that you've done that you've seen?
0: Yes, it has gotten better. We're seeing real omnipresent experiences mm-hmm. that are um, that are happening by the volume players in the market. Okay. You know, the go of the world. hmm Where it doesn't work is when the organization is very siloed behind the curtain and there's manual processes taking place instead of automation put into place. Right. So you get an email or a web form that is completed that goes in and then the bounce back that says you're going to get an answer in 48 hours, which, by the way, everyone, that's too long yeah
1: yeah. Um, yeah it was too it was too long twenty years ago. it's even worse today yes
0: exactly um and then nobody ever you never get anything
1: well the thing that's yeah, it's interesting I
0: but you find out you're on their email list so you get their yeah, newsletters. Of
1: You get those you get those emails yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a response to your request yeah <sighs> yeah but yeah.
0: you know the ones that are doing it really well um I mean, we call in to GoDaddy, and they're onboarding you themselves. You don't have to type in anything. They're doing the work for you, you know mm. that is smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there are there are other companies out there that are phenomenal at, you know, asking cool. you those questions you don't think to ask when you call in. Right. And you know they have you c- wanting to call them for all kinds of advice.
1: You know, that's trusted advisor. <laughs> that's trusted advisor, right. And that's that's the point that you're trying to get to. So I was wondering, too, whether what you've seen, if, I don't know how much work you've done with SaaS companies, but <clears throat> certainly in the subscription economy you have seen in the B2B subscription economy, uh, we've seen companies you know specialize their sales roles, so there's the sales development reps, business development reps, that are, you know, sort of the entry-level sellers that do a lot of the first interactions with either inbound or with proactive outbound, and yeah, there's some some people think it works great, but yeah, the buying experience isn't necessarily great because you know you're if especially if it's an inbound, you might be a relatively sophisticated buyer. You're talking to someone who's you know the least experienced person on the other team, and i was just wondering. And then you're handed off to someone else. I'm just wondering what, what you've seen in your surveys about the buyer's experience with that.
0: We typically go in um, starting off with knowing nothing mm-hmm. and really, really needing to be educated. That's mm-hmm. you know typically the way that um, our buying experiences start. It's right. only when we realize that the seller is not able to Lead the journey, lead mm-hmm. the sales process. That we start to throw in clues. Um, you know, well, I read this, and and you mm-hmm. know, does is that relevant, or should I be thinking about that? You know, these types of, of discussions. Um, it, it's a mix. Companies that are obsessed about volume and are top of the their game tend to be very good at that. They mm-hmm. spend a lot of time, and they they tend to, to get the right questions. But they're more most more often than not just selling transactionally, so right. that's easier to do, quote unquote easy. Right. Um, you get some, you know, underneath that there are the legacy companies in the in the SaaS world or have moved to SaaS that are trying to move from a um, key account type of approach Mm -hmm. into a scalable model of for volume. And that's where you see the hiccups um, because it it doesn't align with somebody who has probably self-served on the website, knows pretty much what they want. And they just want to ask a few additional questions and be sure that the person is, you know, the company that they're talking to, they can resonate with and then they're ready to go. Um, so th- that's where it tends to, to be sticky, is mm-hmm. when a company is trying to make that change.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was interesting. There's a post somebody posted on LinkedIn a couple of days ago about his own experience. He's CEO of a smaller company, but uh, sort of a well-followed marketing expert, and was trying to buy software for his, his company. And just goes through the experience. He called seven vendors, and just in all cases, he started with their you know lowest level person, um, who are chartered oftentimes just to you know ask some simple qualification questions, which really don't qualify them, and then try to arrange a demo for the account executive. And it was just sort of a you know interesting story because it really did point out sort of the shortcomings and, and oftentimes where you've got people that sort of know what they want and are somewhat educated because they're able to running up against processes that seem to be very inflexible and people perhaps not prepared to uh, understand they're perhaps not the right fit for them for, in terms of you know the level of person talking to them and pass them more quickly on to someone else.
0: Well, from the... From the- company's perspective, not the buyer, but the the companies that he he or she was trying to buy from. Um, I just on their behalf, I mean, the reason that they put that structure in place is because they don't want to have their more senior sales reps spend time with opportunities that you know don't need more than just a demo. Um, but you're right, it's annoying. If you call in and you're at a different level, so basically what they're doing is assuming that everyone who calls in is at the same buying level and knowledge level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Which takes it to the lowest common denominator yep. and makes that an, an annoying experience for somebody who has more knowledge or wants a faster answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's reflected, I believe, in in. Yeah, the, the prospect's overall assessment of their buying journey and of the vendor and the choice yeah. of vendor they make, ultimately.
0: And that's the reason that we, we set that persona carefully. I always say to people, don't make it something that is either too big so that mm-hmm. you're going to get everybody so excited they're all going to jump on it and act out of the process. Right. And don't make it so abnormal right. that right. they don't know what to do with it. Or it, you know, unless you're really trying to prove the point that you want to go after this type of business and you're not set up to do that, so you want to identify all the things you need to fix. Mm-hmm. But that's not usually the case. People aren't usually that brave. <laughs>
1: uh, no. <laughs> so, in addition to like the secret shopping, do you also use uh, you know, surveys of buyers and just sort of more sort of Quantitative uh, analysis of their, you know, their experience as a buyer with a particular sales organization.
0: We do a lot of different things in the sales enablement, sales readiness department, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, offer management. So the research that we gather from secret shopping allows us to identify where there are gaps in the market, mm-hmm. and um, so we. Have another series of, of programs that we do run, which um, take, can take you from analysis of a customer set and identification of opportunities, white spaces, mm-hmm. to portfolio assessment. So we took the assessment idea and we created a portfolio assessment where we look at your capabilities as a company right. and your current products or services. Mm-hmm. And then we make you know, push a button and <laughs> have our, our consultants look at it and um, make specific recommendations for what you could add to your portfolio, how could you, you could package better. Um, you have the capability to sell, I'm making this up right now, but security mm. and right. you're not, right? you know, or any number of other things. And um, we then either hand that back to them with our recommendations and they go and do it or We can then get involved in creation of an offer if needed, if they Mm -hmm. don't know how to put together the core messaging for non-IT, the use cases, and the sales motions that should go into place for that. Mm -hmm. And then we also uh, get involved in sales briefing documentation and customer-facing decks, and then training the sales team on those offers.
1: Got it. So just for people listening, you know, sort of average size, company you work with in terms of maybe a number of salespeople or how do you you know structure the ones that you focus on?
0: Yeah so we work quite a bit with Microsoft and with their part their full channel. So we touch mm-hmm. about a hundred different Microsoft partners every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're either 100 percent Microsoft houses or they're also selling Citrix or you know SAP right. or you know other VMware. Um, and so we get involved with that. Um, we also work with um, you know, xerox and motorola solutions o2 their channel um, so we deal with companies that are more mid-sized um, mm-hmm. and for the mid-sized offer development
1: larger. right yeah
0: exactly and and yeah. for the offer development work we could go we do work with smaller companies um, but for sales for for secret shopping, you usually need at least ten people in your sales department because okay. we don't want to set a persona, go away and shop, and then the person who set the persona with us answers the phone. <laughs> That's a little for
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, Leanne. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been very, very interesting.
0: It's been my pleasure.
1: Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I as I mentioned before, I think. Too rarely do companies, when they're analyzing sales challenges, uh, look at it really from the buyer's perspective. I mean, they do nominally in terms of, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's create personas, so on and so forth. But actually getting in and seeing, okay, what what's been the buyer's experience with with our sales team? Yeah, it's a, a huge gap in, in knowledge most sales teams have, and it's, it should be closed because it's if you don't make decisions about how to do better in sales. Why don't you start with your buyers, find out what their experience is.
0: Absolutely. And uh, if you, we know a number of companies that say, well, I call in, you know, the CEO calls (laughs) in and tests, Yeah. but it's important to have a tested methodology to do it, I think, in order to give the the full feedback instead of just a sporadic moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had one client and I think CEOs just for the most part are not in touch with the, the buying experience at all. And um, yeah, one client once was complaining about he had called into a company and it's just so frustrated trying to deal with the, you know, automated voice attendant to try and navigate the, the you know, the logic tree of where to go. And why is it there complaining to me? I, you know, pick up the phone and dial his number, right. For his company. And his was as worse as, as bad as the thing he was complaining about.
0: I hope they gave him that music on hold. That's actually an advertisement for the company.
1: Yeah, no, they hadn't done that. So, All right. Well, Leanne, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Leanne Hobson, for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.